it is not enough to simply set goals. We have to achieve them, right? It is only through achieving our goals that we're able to grow personally and professionally, and that we're able to have the positive impact that we all desire to have. In today's conversation, I'm going to be sharing three big mistakes that many people make that prevent them from achieving their goals. This is the Team of a Lifetime show. I'm your host, Sally Love, and I have helped hundreds of leaders in industrial manufacturing, construction, and on capital projects of up to $24 billion transform their failing or mediocre teams into exceptional teams. Teams that delivered results that people didn't even believe were possible. And that's what the Team of a Lifetime show is all about. Success stories, successful team approaches, and lessons learned to help you transform your team into the Team of a Lifetime. In the previous episode, I shared a time when I was coaching one of my clients who's a leader on a mega project. He said to me one day, Sally, I am really struggling. It seems like I'm just all over the place. I'm working hard. I'm working long hours. I'm coming in on the weekends. I'm away from my family a lot. I'm working hard, but I don't feel like that I have much to show for it. And I asked him if I could see his annual goals. And he was more than willing to share them with me. I sat there patiently while he looked for his goals on his laptop. Fact that he had to look for his goals on his laptop told me that he had already made mistake number one that I'm going to share with you today. Mistake number one is capturing your goals digitally instead of with pen and paper. Okay, I know what you're thinking right now. You are thinking, but Sally, it's the 21st century. Yes, I know that. I know that you do just about everything on your digital devices. I do a lot on my laptop and on my phone too, a lot. But what I'm going to share with you today is one thing I don't do on my laptop and on my phone. And it is this, I do not capture my goals on my laptop or on my phone. I capture them with pen and paper. Here's why. When you write with pen and paper, you are activating multiple regions of your brain. One particular region of your brain that you activate is the frontal lobe. The frontal lobe is vital to high cognitive functioning. And by the way, it takes high cognitive functioning to achieve challenging goals. And when we write with pen and paper, we activate that part of our brain. Let me just outline a few things that the frontal lobe does for us. It controls decision-making. Of course, we want to make good decisions when we're trying to achieve our goals. We can't do everything, and not everything deserves to be done. So we have to have good quality decision-making. 
The other thing that the frontal lobe does is it assesses consequences of future actions. So as you're going through the year and you're trying to achieve your goals, you are going to have to make certain determinations, certain assessments of, well, do I implement this strategy or that strategy? Do I take this action or that action? And the frontal lobe is where that is activated in your brain. And so writing with pen and paper, you're activating that. Something else that the frontal lobe does is it regulates your attention. Now, you have to stay attentive for 365 days. So we want the brain activated and helping us stay attentive. Another thing that the frontal lobe of the brain does is it manages all those dopamine hits. We want that constant reward that tells us that we are moving in the right direction. The frontal lobe is going to do that for you. That's where those dopamine hits come from. And then finally, one thing that the frontal lobe does is it controls planning. So anytime we're planning something, it's that part of our brain that is helping us figure out all the steps all the moves that we need to make. And when you think about it, goal setting is one big planning exercise. So all of these attributes of the frontal lobe contribute to the achievement of your goals. So how often do you think you need to write down your goals with pen and paper? You need to write them down every day. And I can hear you right now. What you are thinking is, Sally, seriously, I don't have time to write my goals every day. And to that, I would say, yes, you do. Remember, like we discussed in the previous episode, we're talking about seven goals. That's all you need to write every day is seven goals. I personally do this. And again, when you do this, when you write them with pen and paper, not type them into your laptop, not just merely look at them on your smartphone. No, when you write them every day with pen and paper, you are engaging the frontal lobe of your brain and your brain is a superpower for you. Your brain is working all the time. Even when you sleep, your brain is working, figuring out how to make you successful. There's one more thing that I want to share with you about writing down your goals. And that's the way that you phrase your goals. Write your goals in the present tense as if you have already achieved that goal. For example, let's say that next year you want to run a marathon. Now, I'm not sure why anybody would have that as a goal. I'm just kidding. I admire people who run marathons. It's just that is not one of my ambitions, and that is not something that is ever going to be one of my goals ever in any year. But instead of writing your goal of saying, I will complete a marathon this year. That is future tense. I want you to write your goal in present tense. So for that one, instead of saying, I will complete a marathon this year, write it as if it's already happened. 
And you would say something like, I'm an accomplished marathoner. Can you see the difference? When you write your goals in the present tense, you are engaging visualization and visualization reinforces in your brain the very outcome that you desire. Visualization is extremely powerful. And speaking of marathons, have you listened to episode one? It's with my good friend and colleague, Dick Dakota. Dick is an ultra marathoner, meaning he runs marathons that are even longer than the typical 26.2 miles. And in episode one, Dick Dakota talks about the disappointments that he had to overcome running in some ultra marathons that were around 100 miles. So if you need some inspiration about accomplishing hard things, about setting challenging goals next year, then I want to encourage you to go back and listen to episode one. That's really easy to find, episode one, with my good friend and colleague, Dick Dakota. You want to hear something startling about goals? Only 3% of adults have written goals. Are you in the 3%? Would you like to be in the 3%? What if you were to take two minutes every day and write your seven goals? Because I'm telling you, that's all it takes is two minutes a day. What kind of edge would it give you to be in the 3%? Okay, now let's look at mistake number two. Mistake number two is not measuring your progress towards your goals. Measuring your progress is so important because when you measure your progress, you get to see your progress and that will help you build momentum and provide motivation for making additional progress. And second, when you measure your progress on your goals, it will highlight for you where you might have gotten off track, where you need to adjust your strategies and your actions that you've put in place for achieving your goals. And it allows you to get back on track. But if you aren't measuring them, then you could have gotten off track, but you won't know that you're off track. Now, I love swimming laps and I swim at least two days a week. And it's a really fantastic week when I'm able to swim laps three times. And I have set certain goals that I want to achieve in my swimming performance. So after I get in the pool and I get my fins and my cap and my goggles adjusted, I set my smartwatch to monitor my swim. There's a couple of measures that I check on my watch during my swim. I check my time and my distance to know whether I am on the pace that I want to be on. These measures often spur me to pick up the pace a little bit, to swim a little harder with a little more intensity so that I can improve. I also have a couple of ways that I measure my swimming performance, and I look at those after each swim. My smartwatch records my heart rate for the swim and the calories burned. So altogether, I have four measures to help me achieve my swimming goals. It's very important for you to measure your progress. 
Just one word of caution. Be sure that you keep the number of measures to only a few. So like my swimming goals, I have four measures that I use for that, but I don't have that many for the rest of my goals. For the rest of my goals, I only have either one, two, or three measures. So keep the measures down to a reasonable, manageable level, because otherwise what will happen is that you will end up spending all of your time tracking your goals rather than achieving your goals. And when you start doing that, then pretty soon you'll not only give up measuring your progress, you'll also throw in the towel of even trying to accomplish your goals. So take a look at your seven goals. Have you identified the specific measures that you'll use to stay on track? And how might measuring your progress towards each goal help you stay focused and help you stay on track throughout next year so that you can achieve your goals? Okay, the third mistake you need to avoid as you work hard to achieve your goals next year is not building in accountability. It's essential to build an accountability for achieving your goals because when you do, then you are much more likely to actually achieve the goals. Study after study after study has shown that when you share your goals with other people, you are twice as likely to achieve the goals than if you just kept them to yourself. And it makes sense. I mean, after all, if, if you're the only person who knows what your goals are, then when things get tough, it's really easy to just say, well, maybe I'll wait till next year to do that. Maybe that goal wasn't so important after all. In other words, if we don't have somebody who's holding us accountable we will rationalize ourselves right out of trying to achieve that goal when the going gets tough. Early in my career as a control systems engineer, I was actually practicing this and I didn't know that this was even a thing, this thing about accountability. But I set a goal for myself at the time that I wanted to write a white paper on a topic that I was involved in in my work at the time, have it published, and then present it at an industry conference. I had observed that the engineers in the company that I was working for at the time were held in high esteem when they did that, when they wrote a white paper, got it published, and then delivered their white paper at an industry conference. And as a young engineer, just starting out in my career, I wanted to be highly esteemed. I wanted to be recognized as having something valuable to offer to the industry. And since what I was doing was cutting edge stuff in its time, it would not be cutting edge now. But let me tell you, at the time, it was. Most of all, I wanted to share what I knew and what I was still learning about the topic so that it would help other control systems engineers and especially so that it would help the end user who were the control room operators in the paper mills where I was working. So I set the goal for myself to write the paper, to get it published, and then deliver it at the industry conference. And then I did this. 
I told my boss and my fellow team members that I was going to do it. And I want you to know, this is where the accountability and the benefits of accountability come in. I became a lot more motivated to achieve that goal once I put the stake in the ground and I told my boss and my fellow team members that I was going to do it. Had I not declared my intentions, but instead had just kept that goal to myself, I really believe that it is highly likely that I would never have achieved it. Because when I ran into roadblocks, which I certainly did, I could have easily rationalized that that goal could wait until another time, say, later in my career, when I was more experienced, when I was no longer working on starting up a paper mill, or when I had learned more about the topic. But because I had told other people, and I had that accountability to other people, some of whom didn't even believe that I would do it, that I could do it. Then I ended up doing everything I could to make that goal a reality. And I did. I wrote the paper, I had it published, and I delivered it to an industry conference. I remember flying to Houston and delivering it at the Astrodome. And I still practice having accountability partners for my goals today. I mean, that's why I have a personal CrossFit trainer that I work out with every week. Because while I know that strength training is really good for me, and I want the benefits of strength training, I don't like doing it. So every week I get in my car and I drive across town because I have, I have accountability with my personal CrossFit trainer. He's depending on me being there at the same time on the same day every week. And he's a Marine and he is not going to put up with any excuses. That's accountability. I need that to achieve my health and fitness goal. You need accountability to achieve your goals next year too. So have you intentionally built in accountability for each of your goals? Knowing that you are more likely to achieve your goals if you have accountability built in, are you willing to figure out who can hold you accountable for each one of your goals? The most important thing is that you have someone for your goals that is going to be willing to hold you accountable. So let's review the three mistakes that we've talked about today that will prevent you from achieving all that you're capable of achieving next year and creating your best year ever. Mistake number one is capturing your goals digitally rather than with pen and paper. Remember, writing them with pen and paper engages the frontal lobe of our brain, and that is going to control our decision-making, our strategizing, and our planning. Mistake number two, not measuring your progress on each of your goals. How will you know if you're on track to achieving them and what adjustments you need to make unless you're measuring your progress? And mistake number three is not building in accountability. Sharing your goals with others doubles the likelihood that you'll achieve your goals. So figure out who will be an accountability partner on your goals. Choose somebody who will cheer you on from the sidelines 
and who will give you that swift kick in the seat of the pants when you start making excuses. I did that just yesterday. I started whining about one of my goals and one of my accountability partners gave me that swift kick that I needed. I want you to imagine how you're going to feel at the end of the first week of the new year and after the first month of the new year and after the first quarter of the new year when you have already made significant progress on your goals. Can you feel the excitement and the energy? You're already on your way to making next year your best year ever. Hey, thank you for being here today on this important conversation. If this was valuable to you, will you share it? And let me know what questions you have about developing exceptional teams. And you might just hear your answer right here in the future. Join me next week for another episode of the Team of a Lifetime Show.